0: Children are dismissed back to Praise Factory, and if you take your Bible and turn to Colossians chapter 3, we're going to be continuing in there for a while. Uh, I think that just like putting Christmas decorations out before Thanksgiving, I, I feel like uh, preaching Christmas sermons starting in the first week of December, uh, it's just too soon, and I just tend to I run out of everything i got to say by the time Christmas comes, and, and that just doesn't seem right. So I've learned to... Try to save it up a little bit, uh, save it until we get closer. Otherwise, it's just like wall-to-wall Christmas music for like two months on the radio. It's like they, they, they exhaust you before it even shows up. So um, we're going to read in Colossians chapter 3, and we're going to uh, turn our attention to God's word there. Starting in, in, in verse 5 of Colossians chapter 3, Paul says, put to death therefore what is earthly in you sexual immorality impurity passion evil desire and covetousness which is idolatry on account of these the wrath of god is coming in these two in these you too once walked when you were living in them but now you must put them all away anger wrath malice And in all. Let's pray. Father, we, we thank you that we've come to a place in the scriptures that has something familiar to us. As, as we were saying again this morning in our prior study that, that so often we say, okay, what am I supposed to do? What do I what do I do? Based on this passage, when when the good news and and truth of the gospel is built on it is finished, all that needs to be done has been done on the cross and we are saved. And yet we desire to engage. Partly from the impure motive that that we don't really want to be in your debt. That's part of it. And we pray that you would spare us from that motive, that you would take that away. But also, Lord, we want to we do something because we know that we still struggle in the present. We still don't live up to your commands. And so we thank you for this opportunity to go to war against our sins. Lord, you call us based on the work that you've done in us. You call us to take action. And we pray that you would help us to do that in the resources and the richness and the graciousness that you supply, Lord, because you are good. And we want to live in a way that honors you as our Lord and Savior. And so we pray, Father, that you would help us to keep these things in perspective, to remember that we are not saving ourselves, that we're not better than anyone else, but that we're simply doing what it is that we're called to do once we become your children. We thank you for the hope that we can fight back against the the corruption that lives within us and we pray that you would help us to do that lord in spirit and in truth for your glory and for our joy we pray amen well as we come to this passage in in the scriptures we're 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 moving from knowing the right things to doing the right things and this is always dangerous when when we're in uh, a study of a bible book that takes some time because what what can happen is we can spend a number of weeks or months building up this idea that that christ is all as it says in this passage that he's Uh, That he is all and he's in all and and that he is the source of salvation. And if we're not careful, when we when we turn the corner and we get into the application section of the book, it becomes very easy to suddenly start to think it's all about us and to forget everything that we've covered. That's that's super easy when when we're in this kind of 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 study. Uh, in the book of Ephesians, it's interesting that in the first three chapters, there's only one command. Only one command is as we look through uh, all that, that Jesus has done, as we look through all that we've been given. Ephesians 1.3 says that we've been blessed with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. There's only one command, and that command is to remember, to, to recall. And to, to keep these things in mind, that, that everything that we have comes from Jesus. But then when you, when you move from the last verse of chapter 3 to the first verse of chapter 4, suddenly it seems like every verse has got a command in it. And Paul's saying, walk this way, and trust in this, and do this, and do that. And it can become very easy to forget that all that we're called to do all that we're called to uh, to put into practice in our lives comes from what God has done for us. And so it's dangerous. Colossians is, is, is very similar in that, in that Paul is saying, I'm, I'm, I'm praying for you, and I'm excited for you, and and I want the best for you, and I want you to keep these things in mind and in focus, that this is what Jesus has done for you. And that's, what happens in the first two chapters? And if we're not careful, as we move into chapter three, it suddenly starts to become do these things. And so we need to make sure that, uh, that that we're that we're building on the proper foundation. Paul has has given us uh, the, the foundation in Colossians one and two, and then in chapter three, verses 1 through 4 he's provided our perspective for the for the living out of the Christian life on a daily basis. I need to flip there because I didn't include it in my notes. And if I do it from memory, I am going to mangle it. What he what he says is that that if we've been raised with Christ, that means if we've put our faith and trust in Jesus and the work that he's done for us, if we believe we've said, I need a savior, what happens when when we do that is we become spiritually united with Christ. Right. That's that's kind of a a a summary idea of everything that's going on in the bible if you want to take that like and and simplify all that's happening to us we're born uh unified and uh and and uh, identified with adam right who is spiritually dead and has the condemnation of god upon him we're identified with him in Birth. And and uh, the book of Romans says in Adam all die. Right. But when we put our faith and trust in Christ and we say, I want to be identified with him. I want him to identify with with me. I want to be to be saved. I want him to be my savior. What happens is we are identified and united with Christ and we are uh, we are buried with him, the scriptures say. We, we die with him. We're united with him. We're raised with him. And so it says, if you've been raised with Christ, then seek the things that are above where Christ is. If, if you're now identified with him, then act and think and live like you're identified with him instead of, of living out your old manner of life. Set your mind on things that are above, not on things that are on the earth. Verse 3 gives the justification for that. For you have died, and your life is hidden with Christ in God. And so Paul's going to lay this out in in two uh, big commands in in this section in chapter 3. Uh, He's going to give us the the method for how we carry out this idea that we're supposed to walk in Jesus. You remember in in chapter 2, verse 6, you are to continue in Christ Jesus as the Lord. You're supposed to walk out your faith, live it out. And so the way in which we do that, it's it's relatively simple. Uh, Simple to say. Difficult to live out because we're always at war. He says this in verse five. He says, What's earthly within you, put it to death. Uh, if you were to look at an Old Testament translation, uh, or a, a, sorry, a Greek translation of the Old Testament. And you were to, to look here where it says put to death. And you were to look at the, the Old Testament commandments, the Ten Commandments, where it says you shall not murder. This is that word. You see evil within you. Right now, listen, this is purely you. OK. If you see evil within you, murder it. Right. Attack it. Assault it. Destroy it. It not evil in someone else, you know, like if 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 you're tempted to take up rocks and to to stone people or things. Right. Like it's, it's like you throw the rock at yourself. Right. Don't actually do this, please. Pastor Keith said, no, don't hurt yourself. We're to put to death. Now some theologians like to say, "Oh, let's 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 weaken it or or let's let's make it sound, you know, let's let's talk about the real meaning of what Paul is is saying there and so they talk about considering ourselves dead to sin. I think that that is okay and maybe some of your translations say that. But we're we're robbing the image of the power and force that it should have the way it's been written. Right? Think about it. If we're in the fourth quarter, I'm gonna a football illustration here. And we're down by just three points, right? And it's a it's a it's a one score game and you can win it, right? And that and that ball comes out and and, and the whole game is, is gonna fall apart if you don't Recover that ball. What are you going to do? You're going to shout at the, at the television, I hope that you've been doing your fumble recovery drills. No, you're going to shout, get that thing. Jump on it. Get it, right? Paul says, when you see evil in you, when there's, when there's wrong present, murder it, right? Consider yourself dead. We ought, to, we ought to see this as the the passionate work of the believer who's put his faith in Christ. It is to put sin to death within us. So often, I think, that we've we've become so focused on being positive and uplifting in culture, right? We're, we, we want everything to be positive. We want everything to be uh, pleasing to people who hear it so that it will, it will make Christianity seem more attractive to them. But, but they, we're not really getting to the heart of the matter. And this is the, the difficulty. We have to make sure that when we communicate the truth about the gospel, that we're saying that, that part of what needs to happen when you put your faith and trust in Christ, yes, Jesus will save you. You will be saved and you will be righteous. But obedience then says, I need to deal with my sin issue. I need to put my sins to death. I need to make war on my sin. If all we ever do is go out into the world and share positive and uplifting, we don't deal with the problem. There's a cartoon that that was out years ago. I can't remember the exact uh, the, the exact situation. But at the end, uh, one of the main characters says we have met the enemy and he is us. Right. What is the problem in the world that everyone is dealing with? What's the, the main problem everyone in my world is dealing with? My selfishness and my sense of entitlement. Right. And my uh, ease of setting aside the commandments of God and saying, I'm going to do things my way and I'm going to give in to my anger or I'm going to let my word serve my agenda and not God's. I think it's C.S. Lewis who wrote an essay. Yeah, he wrote the essay, The Problem with X, in which he says many times what we do is we say, man, work would be so much better if this person, X, would just change, right? Like, things would be better if if this person would just leave aside that behavior or if, if this would change or that would change. He says, you know what? The only person who can rightly say that is God. That God could say, if everybody would just stop doing that, everything would be better. And here's, the problem, or here's a part of the solution, the only person that you truly have the ability to change, the only person that you have the ability to apply the, the gracious change that Christ has brought about to in the truest sense, the only person you can do that to is yourself, right? You can attempt to lead and influence others, and we can, we can uh, use authority to guide children. But ultimately, the only person whose attitude and actions you can change is your, is your own. And that's because of what Christ has done for you. All of the, the negative warnings and commands and the, uh, the, the calls for, for holiness, they flow from these positive truths about what Jesus has done for us, that God has been gracious to us, that he has shown us kindness, that, that he has made it possible for us to be righteous because of what Jesus has done for us. But all the positive must eventually move to the negative that we need to deal with the problem of us. And so Paul says, put to death what's evil within you. At some point, we need to get around to the serious business of laying aside sinfulness. Paul says, murder it. Some may translate that, consider, it, consider yourself as, as dead. The issue is, is that there are times when serious action is necessary, right? Hopefully, if you have an issue with your appendix and you go to the hospital, your doctor will not say, I hope you feel better. (laughs) Hopefully, he will say, we're going to do surgery and I'll be praying for you, right? But hopefully, with a diagnosis of a ruptured appendix, he's not going to say, I'm going to pray for you, right? Hopefully, he's going to get out his sharp surgical instruments. He's going to take that thing out, right? You, you have to pull weeds if you want a beautiful garden, right? Because the world is full of weeds. You can't just keep planting more plants because the weeds are always there. Positive and negative go together because that's the world situation that we live in. That's the human situation. Here's the good news. Because we have died with Christ The the sinful nature that that corrupts our actions, the the sinful uh, focus or, or piece of us that's always ruining everything has been robbed of its power. And we have the ability and power to put our sins to death because of what Jesus has done for us. We have the power to slay the earthly desires that want to control us. Anybody who wants positive Christianity without any negativity ever, they want the fire without the logs. You know? They want the, the fire without the smoke. And that's just not the way it works. You know? There's, 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 there are, are, are things that cannot be separated from one another. The good news comes with this command with this demand that we live a righteous life in Christ. Now, Paul uh, moderates himself here, right? He, he says, put to death what's earthly within you. And then he, he gives a, a list of things, right? Uh, and he says that on account of these, these behaviors are bringing the wrath of, of God. And, and you used to live this way, You used to walk this way when you were living in him, But he says, here is the solution. Put them all away. Put them away. Those behaviors need to be put off. They need to be abandoned, right? Um, We used to have uh, squirrels all over our uh, property in New Jersey. And here's what my dad did. I don't know if it was my mom's influence or my influence, you know, I wasn't a super like sensitive, like animal protecting type child, but maybe for some reason my dad just decided that uh, when he caught these squirrels, right, he had this trap, you know, with the doors that drop down on either side, the squirrel goes in there, you know, and he goes after the whatever's in there, peanuts, peanut butter, whatever, that the doors would drop. And my dad would drive this squirrel, he'd put it in the car, you know, and he's like, you know, and I was like, oh, reaching out. Don't touch that thing, right? You know, it will attack you. We'd drive miles from home, <laughs> 20, 30, I don't know. <laughs> and we'd release these squirrels out into the wild. My dad's like, I will transport them far, far away from here, and they can be somebody else's problem. I'm pretty sure we left them, like, uh, at Ego Lake. Lake, yeah. Um, here you go, community, <laughs> community <laughs> park. <laughs> This nasty squirrel. Um, put it away. Send it away. Distance yourself from it. You know, part of part of what we need as as people is we need to distance ourselves from reminders or from cues of the way that we used to live. Right. You know. Um, it's a whole lot easier not to eat all of the donuts or all of the pretzels if you put them back in the closet. Right? Like if you're eating from the bag, you know, it's easy to just keep going until you're like, how is there only one left in the bag? Well, how long does it take you to eat an entire bag of pretzels? Paul says, put these things away. Put these behaviors off, get rid of them. Paul moves from, from being very general and saying, put to death what's earthly within you, to getting very specific where he's going to name certain sins. And he says that the wrath of God is coming. So what does he talk about here? He says, uh, put, a, put, put to death what's earthly within you. And then he says, uh, put to death sexual immorality, impurity, passion, evil desire, and covetousness. What we, what we have uh, condemned here, um, we have uh, sexual immorality, any kind of sexual behavior outside of the bounds of marriage is to be, to be put away. We're to get rid of uh, lustful impurity. Anything, anything that uh, is a want or a desire for something that's not appropriate is supposed to go away. Uh, Paul talks about passion, and passion is, is uh, anything that excites our desire, anything, anything that draws us off course. Uh, for some, it might be music or movies, anything that fires up the desire for something that we shouldn't have. These things need to go away. Paul uses another very general word here where he talks about evil desire, right? And that's the, the, the thinking or wanting things that are contrary to God's wishes. So we're moving out of uh, the area of, of physical sin and we're, we're thinking about any area now. And then, Paul says to get rid of covetousness, which is idolatry. Covetousness is when we say, I want that, I gotta have it, I need it, I won't be happy unless I've got it. It's interesting. Paul says we need to put away sinful behavior, but when he specifically targets things for Death. He's talking about desire. And so what he's saying is that holiness and living in harmony with God begins with what we think about, what we crave and what we want. Now, I know that this probably is not the greatest way to handle this problem. But when we would go into a store with our kids, we would say, hey, before we go in here, turn off your wanter. Right? I want, I want, I want, I want, I want. No. Right? We would say to them, we're going into this store to buy a few things. We're here for this and not for that. Turn your wanter off. Can we go and look at, yes, but don't think that because you lure me into the toy aisle to look that that means we are going to buy. But I want, remember, turn your wanter off, right? Many times, sin moves from desire to actual sin because we didn't turn it off or kill it or put it away. We let it grow, right? Instead of throwing cold water on it, we threw more fuel on it, right? And there are ways in which we can do this, where, where we, can, we can have some, some desire for something that we shouldn't have, whatever it is. You know, I want to feel numb, or I want to feel pleasure, and we're like, man, how great would that be? And then we put logs on it, right? Or we throw gas on it, right? Depending on where we allow ourselves to go physically, And it moves from being a desire to being full-blown sin. I believe it's James. This happens more and more. I think of things, I think of these connections while I'm actually preaching and not when I'm studying. Paul says this, right? He says, it's in the other section of James. I got the large print Bible and all the scriptures moved from where they were on the page. Paul says, yes, here it is. He says, not Paul, James. That's what I said, right? I'm in James. He says, each person is tempted when he's lured and enticed by his own desire. It's not God tempting us. It's not God dangling something in front of us. It's our own fallenness saying, I want that, I need it, and I'm going to run after it. What he gives us this image of next, he says, each person's tempted when he's lured and enticed by his own desire. Then desire, when it has conceived, gives birth to sin. And sin, when it's fully grown, brings forth death. And the idea here is that that sin moves forward in stages. It moves forward. it It moves from want and craving and thinking. It becomes obsessing and it becomes planning. And then it gives birth to the act. And that's when condemnation comes. And so Paul says, put that to death. Put it to death. There's a number of ways we can do that, right? One of the ways we can do it is through self-talk. You might say, oh, that's like, you know, modern, psychological. It's not. In the scriptures, in the Psalms, the psalmist, struggling with his own thoughts, speaks to himself. Why so downcast, O my soul? Put your hope in God. He says to himself, trust God's promises. This is part of the reason why we do fighter verses. Right? Is so that there can be actual scripture alive and active in your heart and in your mind so that when you face temptation, right, and the 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 desire flashes in your mind and, and begins to rise up, you're not like, Let me go on my web browser and Google good Bible verses to think about when you're tempted with like it's too late, mm-hmm. right? You know, we've, we've moved from, from, from this flash of desire to the formation of ill intent. And now we're well on the way to the act. Like, it's got to be there. The scriptures talk about uh, how, how the word of God is living and active, right? It's the sword of the spirit. And if the spirit is going to do his work now, the, you may feel like that's bad, I shouldn't do that. But the spirit, if it's got the word to work with, if he's got the word, then he uses his sword in your spirit if you've put the word in there. The word is there for the spirit to make use of, to change our heart and mind and change our desires. Paul talks about putting desire excuse me, putting desire to death. And then he talks about putting away certain kinds of behaviors. Now, verse eight, you must put them all away. Anger, wrath, malice, slander, obscene talk. These behaviors and and things that, uh, that, that increase sin, that increase trouble and difficulty. Anger is uh, a settled attitude of hostility. Anger is like I am just gonna gonna keep on going. I'm gonna I'm gonna keep it. Uh, I'm gonna keep my my frustration or my discontent rolling. You know, one of the, one of the things that will occasionally happen is a, a pot on a stove, right? It's it's boiling and the water starts to Boil over, right? It spits, right? And you hear it hissing. And then the, the, the water uh, begins to brim over and it's like hissing and splat. It's like got that angry feeling, right? You know, and so I'm constantly, Nancy will, will put the pot on. I'm always like turning everything down all the time. Like, I don't want it to boil over. That's, that's the way anger is with us. When you're angry, right? All kinds of sinful things happen. Put away anger as a pattern. Put it to death. Get get rid of It wrath is the the outburst of anger right where where when I'm when I'm boiling over and then somebody crosses me or gets in my way and I'm like pow you know then I attack that's wrath malice is when wrath settles in to this, this kind of fixed form where I'm like now all I intend towards you is evil all the time you are my enemy right. I've I've got it in for you. Let's be honest. There are people that were just like, man, given the right opportunity. If there weren't cameras everywhere, oh, if I had the opportunity to do something, to take revenge on that enemy, this is what I would do. We're supposed to say, no, 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 no. That's not the way Christ lived. That's not what he commanded. That's not what he lived out. One of the most powerful moments of the, the movie, The Passion, which I think was was there to, to to the movie was made to demonstrate to us the depth of Christ's suffering. Right. The 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 biggest takeaway for me, the first time I watched it was the fact that as Jesus was suffering. And he says, Father, forgive them. They know not what they do. They they cut to him preaching on the in, in the Sermon on the Mount where, where Jesus says, love your enemies. And Jesus treated people who called for his death well. He didn't allow his spirit to be dominated by malice. Look again how anger, if we hold on to it, becomes wrath. And wrath, if it is not put away and dealt with, can become malice. Slander, uh, in, this, in this passage, that word refers to insulting, uh, injury-creating, nasty speech. And then there is uh, filthy or obscene talk. Yes, yeah, slander, and then obscene talk, which is uh, filthy, disgraceful, dishonorable speech that, that is uh, just, just what it does is it takes things that are pure, and good and right, and it throws them in the dirt and reduces them to a joke. And then Paul talks about lying and blasphemy. What I think is so important here is Paul, Paul keeps lying to the end because I, I think that truth is part of the solution to the problem of, of our sin. He, he told the, uh, the, the Ephesians not to lie to one another, uh, but to speak the truth because they were members of one another. Satan is described as a liar and the Holy Spirit is described as the spirit of truth when... A Christian lies. What is he doing? He is speaking contrary to the Holy Spirit, who speaks truth only all the time and cooperating with the devil, who speaks lies and only lies. He's the father of lies. And Jesus says he was a murderer from the beginning. When we speak the truth in love, like Ephesians 4.15 says, we cooperate with the spirit of God. So Paul says, don't lie about anything. I think there's, there's an interesting way to apply this, and it would be to say that we ought not to lie. Okay, that's clear. We ought to always tell the truth, not tell half truths, not tell convenient truths or, you know, fictions that get our agenda passed. But we also, uh, we also ought not to lie about our nature. How often when someone asks how we're doing or when we have an opportunity to talk about spiritual things with people, how often do we conceal how we're doing because we're afraid that someone will judge us? Why is that the way churches and Christians are? Why do we, why do we always have to have everything worked out perfectly Worked out. Why, why do we act as if we have no sin nature living still in us, or that we struggle with anything? We want to be well thought of. We think that we'll lose community if we're not, if if we don't, if we tell the truth. Paul says, "Don't lie about your nature." So he calls this reckoning, where we're supposed to say, "I am." dead to sin because I'm united with Christ, that I'm to put my sins to death routinely, but yet they are still alive. I am carrying around this legacy of sin with me. I'm carrying around the effects of sin. And so Jesus says to to deal with this harshly. He says if your if your right eye offends you or sins, pluck it out. If your hand sins, uh, uh, cut it off. And we need to go to the Lord and say, "Rescue me from who I am by nature and fill me with your spirit and transform me." Part of of putting sin to death is not just it's not just saying, I'm go- I want this to go away and then holding our breath and demanding of ourselves that we stop. Right. Because we're, we're broken. The true act of war, I think, is something like what Psalm 51 verse 10 says. Where David says, created me a clean heart, O God, and we invite God in to transform us the image is we're we're saying strip away take off what is unrighteous and put on what's righteous Warren Wearsby says that when Jesus was raised when he rose from the dead he left his grave clothes behind I think it's an interesting symbol we have new life in Christ we're to intend to walk in newness of life but then ask God routinely and regularly for the power to live that life to be dead to the old and alive to the new and understand that we can't do it in and of ourselves this is what Paul was saying when he said if you've as you've received Christ Jesus the Lord so walk in him how did we receive him he was the center he was the focus of all he was all to us he's the only point of power or salvation or righteousness we we come to christ we say i need you to fix everything and then we're like oh okay i'll handle this behavior on my own it doesn't work that way we need to come to him routinely and regularly and say i have i have set myself against these things that you hate now give me the power and strength to hold out against it and to stay committed and to carry through on it no lies about who we are the old man's power is broken but it still lingers and so we need the power and the strength and the grace and the enabling that comes from God. The bad news about the good news is that though we were formed in God's image, sin has deformed us. But the good news is that with God's grace and his enablement, we can be transformed into the image of Christ. And the good news is that if we ask God for anything, the scriptures say he will give it to us. How much more, if we ask him, will he give us the strength to carry out his will? But we must ask and ask in faith, and we need to remember that he's not just going to be once. We're going to need to live like this for the rest of our lives because that's the way we were created to live. I could say more, but I'm going to leave it there. This is the the good news. We're called to put it off. And if we come to God and we say, give me the strength and the grace and the ability to push these things off. Lord, help me to fight back. He will. He will support us because that's what he's promised. Let's pray. Lord, I, I thank you. That you've given us something tangible to do. Thank you that you don't tell us, go fix everything that's wrong with everyone else. Because the truth is, we cannot even fix ourselves. We need your strength and your grace and your enablement in order to do that. And so, Father, I just come before you, Lord. I believe I'm praying in agreement with with the people who are here when I say, help us to humble ourselves before you, to be honest about what we struggle with, to admit that we're not just sinners, but that we crave because of our sin. We crave things that we ought not. We desire to live independent of you. And, and, and we, we desire for things that you've chosen not to give us. And we have all kinds of ambition and pride and we hold on to our hurts. And we know that that's wrong. And so we pray that you would give us the power to admit it. We pray that you'd give us eyes to see that you have given us grace in Christ. And we pray, Lord, that you'd help us. Give us the strength to live in dependence on you as we fight back against our sin each and every day. Keep us humble. We pray in Jesus' name, amen. Let's stand and sing a closing song together.